now sitting at the wave table. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of the wave table. This episode is featuring Big Boss. How's it going, man? Yo, I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. You know, I woke up early today, just been working on music all all morning, which is something I actually haven't done in a while. Usually it's just like editing or mixing really? the podcast, you know, and then I, uh, uh, I tend to mu- work on music later in the day, but going back to earlier, yeah. it seems to be helping with my um, productivity. You know, you just, that those creative juices just seem to be flowing so much better early in the morning. In the morning. Yeah. I've heard a few mates of mine have said something similar where, um, They'll wake up in the morning and sometimes they'll like immediately get to work and have their coffee. Yeah. Um, and then a few or one of my particular mates is just like, and I just don't eat. And I'm like, <laughs> why? It's like, don't eat until lunch. Um, just because like your body uses all this like energy and concentration in digesting your food. So I just kind of intermittent fast until lunch at work. Right. Like, like your logic makes sense a bit, but fuck, that's just, a, that's a little too much. Like, I'm going to get up and have my breakfast <laughs> and work. And do something like that. Yeah, man, me too. Like, if I don't eat, all I can think about is eating. So it takes more yeah. <laughs> it takes more energy away than just eating and having your body process oh, a bit of toast. I can't, I can't focus without like without a shit ton of water <laughs> and coffee. I can't focus. Yeah, same yeah. here, man. It's a nutrition podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, let's let's talk about your uh, latest track called. Guess who's back? Um, I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, right up my alley with the fucking sound design on that man. What is that? Just like some FM from being insane distortion, or <laughs> oh man, I don't even remember. No word of a lie. That was like <laughs> that was kind of my first track when I started releasing by myself, right? Um, that I put on Spotify and everything like that. And I wrote it like two years ago. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, can't, I honestly cannot remember. I would have been, would have just moved into um, into Sydney. It's probably two and a half, maybe three years ago. So I almost forget everything. All I remember is um, it's just a whole bunch of like sawtooths, a little bit of detuning, just OTT or not OTT. The um, Serum Effects's oh uh, um, yeah, multi bank, yeah, kind of like the same thing. Um, and just a bunch of like automation and just pitch bending down, just get that real fucking intense, Fuck yeah. like row. <laughs> I so much fun to make, to be honest. So is this uh, is this a re-release then? Um, no. So I didn't release any music for so that one. Well, guess who's back? I released probably like two months ago. I've had like three or four nutrients since then. Um, some like remixes and some just like self releases. This one was just one I had sitting on for sitting on for like two and a half, three years. Jeez. And I think I've got like 15 tracks in total now that I've just been sitting on that I haven't put out for one reason or another. Holy shit. <laughs> Are they all like yeah, pretty they're much all, complete? They're all complete. Damn. They're done. Their artwork's done. My mastering's done. Um, video content for them is all done. Um, I've shit. just got like a schedule for the next like five or six months of just tunes every three to four weeks just coming out. That's sick, um, man. It's good. It's fun. It's a happy accident. I didn't really <laughs> mean for that to happen. Um, but it did. And honestly, I was a bit worried, like, fuck, they're going to be a bit dated. 
And then I started putting them out and people are just loving them. Yeah. Like still, and I'm like, oh, shit, like fucking thank you. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm looking forward to it, man. And, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people think like, oh, this track's going to be dated by the time it comes out. But, you know, sometimes people don't really mind that slight throwback to like the sound of a few months ago or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, the EDM world moves fast, but it's, it's not that dated, you know? Well, yeah, I was kind of thinking about this and talking to some mates about it. I was, you get stuck in the whole, um, like, fuck, I need to keep up and I need to put out stuff as soon as possible. But then your big producers who are out there, they're also putting out tunes that are six months exactly. old. Exactly, yeah. Um, Gemini was an awesome Gemini, the What's So Not and, um, oh, I forget her name, but the What's So Not tune. Mabel, this is going to kill me. Um, but that tune was in, like, purgatory for something like two and a half years before oh my it God. actually came out. <laughs> And there was what's not actually already released a version of that like a year and a half earlier and then re-released it as Gemini. Right. Um, George Maple with George Maple. And it got huge. No one was like, oh god, my god, this sounds like two years ago. I was just like, nah, this is a good song. Yeah. And I think I think we get obsessed with that sort of it's gotta be the most latest sound. It's gotta have some fucking resampled FM bullshit and obsessed with the latest song. Just put it out and People will like it. People might not like it, but you put it out at least. And I think that's the important part. For sure. Because yeah. I think yeah. um, what I was originally like trying to say, but I couldn't really articulate it, um, is <laughs> there's a lot of people who will be following a sound and then that sound will kind of just disappear and those people get really disappointed. And then, you know, mm. someone comes along who's got an EP that was in the works for like six months that, harkens back to that sound and all of a sudden those people are happy again. Yeah, actually, that's actually a really good point, to be honest. Especially with, I guess, like, future rhythm is the mm. new thing that's coming in now. And, fuck, you could make the best future rhythm track now and not release it for another year, but if it's still good, yeah, people are going to listen to it. Hell yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter what genre it is or what time you do it as long as you put it out. Miss Diplo was right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I feel like our sound design is quite similar in essence. And mm-hmm. I wanted to ask who some of your biggest inspirations are for sound design, because if there's any I haven't heard of, I definitely need to go check them out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sound design wise. Oof. Uh, I feel like this one. Might be super obvious. Must die mm. is just a sound design god. Like the shit he pulls out, either just I sw- like I swear he sits down. And he's like, I just want to make something really annoying. And painful. <laughs> me too. Very and me too. You know, just like make these like awful sounds and put them together into the song, and then he just like the fuck is this magical beast? Oh, like I don't know what I don't know how to describe it, but must die. It's definitely a big one for me. Um, blank, blank from mm. um, Sydney. He like he got in the good books with um, Millennium and like a whole bunch of those guys and just shot off. Um, his sound design is phenomenal in the sense that he'll do like your heavy, your heavy like mid tempo style shit, and then switch it up with all like your euphoric, beautiful, um, 
I guess like Elenium, Seven Lions kind of tunes. Amazing variety um, in that guy, yeah. Yeah, he's sick. Uh, guys like Slews, um, Slews, I can't remember. The whole mid-tempo sound. Yeah, um, love it. Like the whole, I guess it kind of harkens back to like a Saffelstein, which goes before that. So like the whole banger sort of sound. Like that I'm a big fan of. And making that sound interesting is hard. But when it is, it's done. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. How about you though? Who's, uh, your, who's your influence? No, well, your <laughs> I think um, <laughs> probably the main one that you didn't men- mention would probably be Marauder. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, he's like he's super mainstream for dubstep, but yeah. Uh who else? He's ridiculous. He's and he's what, seventeen years old now or something like that? I th- he's over eighteen now because he played a massive festival. He's probably like nineteen or twenty at the moment. Uh, I remember um because he was from Sydney, I met him a few times. Um and just being like how it, he's like this like nice genuine lovely kid yeah he's like super super dedicated to studying and has tutoring does all that sort of shit but just throws down all these <laughs> tunes <laughs> and like his sound design is just ridiculous it's yeah it's more painful annoying noise that for some reason sounds incredible <laughs> it's like um <laughs> some of the singers for the hardcore bands out there they're just like tiny dudes but then the noises they make, you expect from like some <laughs> 10, 20 foot tall Dark Souls boss or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then this tiny little emo is just, yeah. it's just dying on the inside. It's just like, I just need to, need to put this in a voice or something. It's ridiculous. It's, awesome. it's, it's amazing to be honest, but it's just crazy. It's great. <laughs> so I, I wanted to say, like, I love how you not only have this brutal sound design in your dubstep tunes but i was listening through your soundcloud and there's like some bass house tunes and stuff that also had these like fucking brutal basses and it's just (laughs) awesome to kind of hear a bit of experimentation there that you're not just keeping the bass house stuff completely clean you know yeah thanks man um it's i don't know i kind of like fucking around with it i swear a lot by the way (laughs) that's okay yeah, I don't know. I'm a big fan of trying out weird stuff. Yeah. Um, not so much weird stuff, but stuff that you wouldn't change naturally. Like, I guess a good example would be like BPM changes in songs, like Moonbaton and EDM or Dutch House or whatever. Like, we basically just made 130 BPM bass house and, and um, slowed it down to 108 BPM. And then you got this whole new genre that spawned up with this other stuff. Yeah. Um, I end up doing that with some tunes, like some tear out tunes that I've made and then slowing it down to 128 BPM and just changing the drum structure and doing that. And you get some awesome stuff. I think what's his name? Sudden death is a good example where a lot of his stuff, not a lot, but some of it doesn't sit like your 150 BPM dubstep. Yeah. Like he goes down to like 125, 130 BPM and it just gives you like extra time to be able to, Kind of get like a big baseline to really roar through. Yeah. Um, then you can go up to going your normal 4 4, 125. Like his Fisher remix, like he fucking remixed. Oh, um, that's so good. Fisher losing it. Yeah, it was sick. And it was like all those elements just put into like a 128 BPM house track. Um, so a lot of time, just like, fuck it. Like, let's slow this tune down. Let's, this isn't working. This isn't sitting properly. 
let's slow it down by 10 BPM, <laughs> rewrite some of the drums. It's never fit. Fuck yeah. Yeah, you're reminding me of a track that started out as drum and bass and then I slowed it down to like 120 and then back up to like 160. <laughs> that's where it's sitting yeah. at the moment. Yeah, that's how like UK Garage started. Like it was um, <coughs> basically at like at kick-ons, I guess what we call kick-ons. Um, that was an old house tune, about like 125 BPM. They ended up speeding it up to like, to like 136 just to like keep people going. Right. Energy rushing. And um, it had that sort of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, but it sounded real sick because it was sped up and it yeah. had those hi-hats that happened in the UK garage. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got this new genre, which led to dubstep, which led to bass house, which led to fucking everything. Like, just do weird shit. Do weird shit when you write music. You could make a new genre and fuck. That would be sick. That would be cool. The evolution of music is crazy, hey, and it seems like it's usually done just completely by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I reckon most of like the amazing shit that happens in music was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Like the fucking the Pride of Snare or like Gated <laughs> Reaver. People were just like, fuck, we didn't mean that and then all of a sudden it's in every EDM song. Like, yeah. Acc- accidentally fuck up and one of your fuck ups might be incredible. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> uh, and s- since we're on the subject of tempo changes, I just had this random thought pop into my head. Uh, do you know Seamless R? Sorry, who? Seamless R. He's like a FL uh, tutorial god. No, tutorial god. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he yeah. Um, he was holding like a, a competition. He frequently runs competitions, and one yeah. of the submissions, it literally. Uh, the whole track was pretty simple, but what made it cool was that the person was constantly automating the tempo throughout the song, but it still yeah. actually somehow flowed well. Like, so if <laughs> to people out there who are thinking of like trying to, you know, do the next thing, like it might not be DJ friendly, but automating the tempo <laughs> could be fun. <laughs> oh man. Like, that would fuck me up if I was just mixing that song. And I'm like, why is this? This is not working. Why it wouldn't be happening? possible. Would it? <laughs> like, it, no, I, it, it's, I used to, God, this is showing my age. I used to play disco, um, <laughs> like disco, new disco sort of shit 10 years ago. Um, and you'd have tunes that just weren't beat, like weren't to a grid or anything like that. Oh. So like when I first started, I was mixing. I was like, the f- why am I just constantly changing shit? And it turns out it just wasn't in time. Oh, but Jesus. Doing it with disco and house, it's fine because you're missing a song every like five minutes. Doing it with dubstep or any sort of bass music, you're mixing a song every 45 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> that would be uh, <laughs> tough to say the least. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So you've had a combination of self releases and label releases, right? Yeah. So I was wondering, uh, what do you think of some of the major pros and cons of each self-releasing and label releasing? Label releasing. Um, good question. Um, depends. I, so I've been, I had a few signed releases with, um, like Be Rich Records with, uh, oh God, I forgot all the names of them now. Um, with a few decent sized releases and we've got a few more coming out with labels. Um, and the good thing about it is they take a lot of, I guess, the work 
Yeah, um, that comes in like worrying about artwork, mixing, mastering, promo, um, and also like distribution, like in flight things that go out to other DJs to get them to play music. Um, and getting rid of that saves a lot of time and can save you money. Like upping to Spotify can cost you anywhere from like $15 a release to like $50 a release, depending if you get people to, um, if you get like your distributor to also get your publishing royalties for you, um, which can be worth it depending on the amount of plays you're getting. Um, and then promo PR on top of that can be anywhere from like 150 to $500. Yeah. Um, getting a label to take care of that does help you out a lot. Um, the only issue with that is, is ha- relying on a label entirely to do all of that is where you can get in trouble because labels are taking care of so many DAs and so many producers that they probably, not probably, that's not the right way to say it. Um, there's a chance that they're just not going to give you the care that you want or expect. And you could get, you could just fall through the cracks. You might miss out on opportunities. You might end up sitting on a bunch of music that you don't put out for years. Um, if you learn to do all that stuff yourself and self-release, self-promo and hustle really, really hard on all of it, um, you can find, you can get similar or better results. You've just kind of got to be ready to put in more work, more money, um, (laughs) and all of your time. Um, but if you do that, it'll work out well, I think. It seems to be working well so far. Um, it's kind of tricky. Like, you you obviously release music. Yeah. Um, like, yours are all self-sapphire releases and stuff? Uh, I've done all self-releases up until my recent EP, which... Oh, yeah? That's been way, like, (laughs) taken off way more than any of my self-releases, but, um, you know... really? I um I didn't really put all the work into the the self releases on the marketing side of things, so um, yeah, it's kind of opened my eyes to how big of a deal you know the the money and time spent in marketing actually makes. Oh, yeah, man! Like the amount that I kind of I also took this for granted when I was with um when I was with the label because I still am. Um, when I was just doing it for myself, I was like so much of my time is going into just either submitting to blogs or playlists or just emailing people or trying to like just talk about anything just to network with if I want to call it. Um, and then also having connections to push that further. I was like, holy shit, this is taking like a good deal of music writing time. Yeah. And then I was looking at the label and I was like, they're doing it to like 10, 20 people. So there's at a point you can understand why things can fall through the cracks. Mm, for sure. Um, yeah, like it will take up all of your time. But who did you end up signing with? Who was that? Um, who was your release with? Uh, Dubwubs Promotions. Dubwubs sounds familiar. There, yeah, you've probably yeah. seen them around on Facebook or Insta or something. They're a yeah. pretty recent label. I think they started in like the last year or two. Nice, but yeah, That's not bad. Um, yeah, I usually only get like <laughs> without. Without really going hard on promoting shit, I usually get like under 100 plays, but you know, the whole EP, like every song is like 700 plus. So I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. Yeah, man. That's the thing. A lot of it is, um, a mate of mine explained it to me is a lot of, I guess, like the worth of a release or worth of an artist sounded a bit rude. 
um, comes from their audience. Yeah. Um, how many people they can get their shit out to. And that I feel like works vice versa. If you are going to sign something to a label, um, they've got to be able to show their worth to you with an audience, not just mixing, mastering, promotion, all that sort of stuff. Because if they do all of that, they fucking give you the best cover art and the best mastering and it all looks good. But 200 people hear it like, fuck, what's the point then? Yeah. Um, which I've found is why I'm kind of happy with self-releasing, building my own audience up and having like putting a track out on Spotify and knowing that people are going to listen to it and get new followers and doing all that sort of stuff and building my own audience and being in control of that. Um, that I've found over the last seven months um, has been really good, has been like the best learning experience I could ask for. And then hopefully you just keep on growing that. That's great. So um, yeah. have you pretty much just been re- learning about self-releases over the past seven months? Or not self-releases, but the promotion side of things? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I would say so. Like, because... I mean, like thinking about it in the back of my head, like, fuck it, I'm just going to self-release all this music. Um, I started and started putting on Spotify, promoting, uh, promoing out, um, and started looking into it and talking to mates or label managers or whatever they are. Um, and yeah, they started guiding me through every little step. And they're just like, just things like, um, submit hub. Um, mm, yeah. A good website for just, having it sung and, you know, getting it out to people or getting out to labels, blogs, playlists. Um, also planning well in advance, yeah. like well ahead of what you're actually putting out. So if you've got a song coming out, don't plan two weeks ahead, plan six weeks, two months, three months, four months out um, and kind of do things like build not so much narratives, but build like a connection between each release and build, sort of a steady flow or like a consistent time of each release, um, give people something that they can, uh, they can rely on or they can know when a song's going to come out or they can yeah. anticipate that. Sort of. Um, and I had to learn all that over the last few months and it's feel like it's paid off. Um, hard to tell in isolation. <laughs> True. Where you, you can't fucking get a book for a gig. Um, we can, um, but they're all online, which is actually still fun. Um, but yeah, it's been like a good seven months of learning how to do that. And then now I've just got Excel spreadsheets of like release schedules, what to do three weeks beforehand, what to do two weeks beforehand, what to do a week beforehand. Um, but also what to do after the release. And that's going to be stuff like, you know, uh, I guess clout posting, but like saying like, (laughs) fuck, like this track got so many thousand plays and this has done that. And then continuing to put it out and send it to people so they can keep pulling that up. Um, like learning that has been invaluable and it's also made me appreciate how hard it is to kind of take care of the promotion part of it and also why it's so important. Like if you can do anything, I would say, and it's hard and it's annoying because as an artist, you can't go into like, my art should be good enough. I shouldn't have to, um, I shouldn't have to market. I shouldn't have to do this. People will come to me. I'm like, no, fuck. Like there is what, I think it's something like days and days and days of worth of music uploaded to Spotify yeah. every minute. 
you can't you can't expect people to come find you. Like you've got to put yourself out there, and it's going to be in two ways. It's going to be make real fucking good music, make it sound real good and professional, and then package it in a way that when someone's looking at a thousand like different artists, they're like, oh, cool, like that that thing looks pretty cool. I'm going to click on that and I'm going to listen to that, and then they listen to it like this is sick. I'm going to follow it, and kind of working with collaboration as well with other artists are the same. So their people were looking at a thousand and look at who they like and then look at that one guy there and then follow him again. Like it's super important. Like marketing and collaboration, I feel like is so important and no one wants to admit, especially at the small, oh, yeah. like a small, how important it is. It's like, no, my music's good enough. <laughs> it probably is, but it isn't. So just market the fuck out of it. Yeah. Like that's, that's all there is. I want to kind of highlight a couple of mistakes I've made related to um what you just said. So first of all, yeah. uh, I know about Submit Hub and I've used that in the past, but yeah. when I used it, I was like really hesitant to pay for the, like the extra stuff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's a major thing, guys. Sometimes you just got to pay for shit to get it out there. Yeah. You know? Oh man, like I, I, if I could tell myself anything different being younger uh, from when I was younger is just be okay with paying for shit. Like you can wallow in self pity being like, Oh fuck, why do I have to pay? Oh, this is just capitalism. Don't fucking listen. <laughs> Whatever fucking argument you want to justify that you don't have to pay for something yet. We'll still go and pay $80 of drinks. at Exactly. <laughs> And like, just ignore that. Put that money towards your release. Put it towards like, like a promo fund or a marketing fund or anything like that. Like, the fact of the matter is, what you're asking people to do by listening to your music, they feed a blog or a playlist or whatever, their time is still worth money. Yeah. And they're taking the time to listen to your stuff. Them asking for money isn't inherently a bad thing. And you agreeing to pay that money doesn't make you less of an artist. It, if you refuse to do that, you're kind of already out of the game. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what it is. I, I did the same thing exactly what you were saying before, like refusing to pay money. Like, no, this is selling out. No, this is this. No, this is that. I'm like, you've got to get your shit in front of people. And actually, I should say this. There's a big difference between paying for pays and then having to sort of pay for PR. Like if you're, if you're paying for PR for plays, that's, that's a shit, really. Um, but if you're paying for someone to listen to something, to then put it up, that's fine. Yeah. But if you also, then there's that weird line if you're paying a, um, a playlister who's just going to put your playlist up anywhere and they're not even going to listen to your music, they'll just put it there. Like that's, that's kind of weird. That's awesome. Yeah, I've seen some stuff like that. I'm like, like, I'm not going to pay you to t- chuck my shit on some list <laughs> that no one... Like, it's not like... I, I actually I accidentally did it once. Well, I was like, oh, it's a playlist. So yeah, cool. I'll chuck it on. They chuck it on this list. And it's in between all of these, like, boppy pop tunes and stuff <laughs> like that. And I'm like, do you listen to the shit that I sent you? And like, oh why is it on feed? Send it to random? Like, and then I was just... It happened. Like... I should have done my research a bit better, but it happened. I was like, fuck it. Like I'm never using those guys again. They like, they took my money. 
they gave it plays and then they just fucked up. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't fuck up. They like, oh, we can do it again. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. Guys. Like, I don't, like, I don't want plays. I don't want plays. That's it. I don't want, plays. <laughs> I want people to listen to my music. And that's, I think that's the difference. And sometimes you have to pay for that. Just be careful where you put that money. Yeah. And, uh, hmm. uh the other thing I wanted to highlight was, uh, like scheduling things far in advance. I used to just yeah. like finish a song, instantly upload it on SoundCloud, submit it to Spotify. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, yeah. when it comes out on Spotify, I guess I'll make a socials post about it or something. But you know, it, it's, it's, you couldn't pre-save it. It's not going to appear on release radar or anything. Uh, yeah. you know, you need to schedule your shit in advance to really juice your song for the, it, as much as it's worth. Oh yeah, man. Like I was, I used to do that. This was, uh, just to give you an idea how old I was, this was pre Spotify, um, would be doing that. And it kind of worked back then where you could just upload a track, just send it out, do a social post and that's fine. But the industry evolved, everyone yeah. evolved. They're like, all right, we need to now market before and market after and get people to pre-save and then take advantage of Spotify with the release rate on everything like that. Yeah, like the industry evolved from the SoundCloud days where, um, you know, you could just upload a tune and then whatever happened, happened. Like now everyone is some sort of marketing person, marketing guru, and you've got to learn that too. And that's fine. That's completely fine. Um, yeah, then Spotify will give you all of... I'm a big Spotify advocate. I don't know if you've noticed. Um Spotify would give you all the tools to share your music and to build things up and like to the point where I've got, I think my tune with the most amount of plays now, tell them, um, it's like a drum and bass tune I dropped like five weeks ago or something, probably longer. Um, it's sitting on 20,000 plays. Damn. Nice. And it's a, not a huge number, but for me, that's like quite a big number. And I would say two thirds of those were purely from Spotify support. Jesus. From, yeah, like they, like I sent it out, did the whole release radar, got that, um, got like a few thousand plays, um, got playlisted a lot of times, which is actually really, like, really cool. Um, and then Spotify would just say, hi, cool, this is doing well. We're going to chuck it on, on Discover with people. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so it got pushed towards, like, not just my followers, but the people who were following similar music and doing all that sort of stuff. And then just, it went up by like another 5,000, 6,000 plays. And then more playlists came from that. And then it just kept on going. And now it's, I think it's ahead from, of all my tunes by like another 10,000. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, amazing. Yeah. Like they give you the tools to do all this sort of stuff. So it's important to kind of accept that, you know, you're going to have to plan ahead and do what you said before. Like look six weeks ahead, two months ahead. Um, for, I've got, a release I just signed, which is coming out in November or something like that. Um, like work months ahead and put in effort. Like your song isn't just going to be, you know, the week before release date and the week after. It's going to be months. Yeah. And you should be excited for that. I, I get excited for that. Um, yeah. Like I've made that mistake plenty of times. Like you're not, you're not the only one. <laughs> Probably a thousand people. Like, and I it's just, I don't know, it's how it is. Um, so you've brought up a few times how, how long you've been like producing music and stuff. 
So yeah. I, from someone who wasn't really around, like, I mean, I was, I was on SoundCloud and stuff, but before the repost button came out, I wasn't really like fully into it. And I, I wanted to yeah. kind of get your perspective on what the repost button did to SoundCloud. Repost button. I, oh, I haven't really been on it, because when it came out, I guess what happened with that is you got repost files or repost what the chains or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I think initially, like the idea behind it is like it's good. It was completely innocent. It was you know you like this song, you have followers, show this song to your followers, which makes perfect sense. Um, you can of course exploit that by going like, hey, you have a song, pay me, and I'll show it to my people. So, um, my people. Um, now, unregulated with like what SoundCloud was, you get repost farms, you get everybody, you get everybody charging other people to put it out, doing all this sort of stuff. Um, and since a lot of those repost things are just repost pages, there's no accountability to yeah. one person. Or stuff like Spotify, Instagram, or like DJs with personal pages, um, that accountability, I feel like, stops them from selling out. Yeah. Um, for SoundCloud, it, it was just left unchained. It was left unchained. A whole market blew up, and a whole market of people exploiting people blew up with that. Yeah. Instead of fixing that, what they did was double down on trying to make money off this sort of stuff, and then offered like a pro subscription where you can upload music, pay Sound. No, you could pay SoundCloud to be able to pirate music whether it be yours, a mix, or a bootleg or something else, you can pay them to then pay you a tiny amount of money every time someone came to their website, gave them ad revenue to <laughs> then like not make much from it. Like It was just this business decision which they tried to take from Spotify when they right. were fundamentally by was. And it led to just people being like, the fuck am I? What is this half quasi Spotify thing? it became everyone making money from people who don't particularly have that much money. So people stopped paying because they didn't have the money to pay. So it kind of died out. Mm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Spotify, um, of SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, for many reasons. For the lack of support they tend to give for their business practices. Um, the fact that they now putting in like an automated mastering service in tunes. That's so um, shit, by the way. It sounds like trash. <laughs> I, I did a preview I and it was like, it's actually hard to preview because it doesn't level match. It reduces the volume every single time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, weird. I think like, like, I don't know. Uh, like I get what they're trying to do, kind of. I think what's wrong with them is they just misunderstand who's using They've still got this image of their head of all their artists are still like little idiot producers who will just need to get something done, yeah. um, which isn't wrong, but it's not, it's not providing any services that A, they can't learn to do themselves better, um, and B, gives them a, a product that's worth the money yeah. in general. Like I could almost predict that you were just going to say that the mastering was shit. And it was, <laughs> was it, I like, yeah. like what did it sound like? What what happened to it, dude? Honestly, like 
Well, first of all, it reduced the volume. So yeah, it's hard to tell if it actually compared loudness wise. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's so a preview reduction. Up. Yeah. It got like 12 dB quieter or something. I don't know. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then it just sounded completely flat. Like there was no hype or excitement to the track at all. Hmm. That's a thing. And it kind of pushes this, like, no, 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 narrative's the right word. Um, it pushes a bit of the whole, like, they don't respect their audience or they don't respect the people. They just say, like, mastering. Here's, here's like, we'll master your track for you. Fine, yeah, this is all good. You'll sound professional. No, half of a good-sounding track, half, three quarters, probably more, is in the mix down of it. If you master a third of a track, it's going to sound like a mastered turd. Like it's not going to all of a sudden sound incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think they just assume that their audience isn't going to know that. And it kind of shows to this disrespect, not disrespect, I'm getting dramatic here. Um, it shows kind of what they think of, what I feel they think of their audience, um, which isn't great. It, and ah, I don't know, I just don't like them. Like, and it, and it could be because I have no audience on SoundCloud. I should put that out there. Um, I have a much bigger audience on Spotify, but they just, I'm, I'm not falling at this point. Just putting that out there. I really wish, um, I really wish Spotify had like a socials feed. Uh, that would be like the, the nail in the coffin, in my opinion, for SoundCloud. Socials feed? What do you mean? Like, how good would it be if you could pretty much just like repost on Spotify, but like, like you were saying, Spotify actually has accountability rather than nameless accounts. That's true. I think that's kind of, would that be similar to what like playlisting is in a weird sort of way? Like kind of, but I feel like playlisting, you know, you have to go make a playlist and then go yeah. on Facebook and post the link to the playlist. Uh, Whereas if you're yeah. just scrolling through Spotify and there's a feed of your friends, like, reposting tracks and commenting on what they think is cool about tracks and stuff. That'd yeah. That, that could be pretty cool. Well, excuse me. That could actually be pretty cool. I think the one concern is it then makes, it takes the, I guess what you'd call like the curating or mm. curating role away from Spotify. True. Um, so for them, from a business perspective, it's probably not going to work too well. Um, Cause they've got their, um, their, what are they, their algorithmic playlists and their editorial playlists and all that sort of stuff. And people come back to Spotify for that. Creating like the social feed is kind of creates two clashing right. um, scenarios where if you manage to do like, you know, your, your playlists or anything like that, that at least keeps people in that same sort of uh, ecosystem. We'll call it. Um, I feel like it would be cool, but I feel like it would be borderline <laughs> problematic. And then you're going to get back to the same problem that happened with SoundCloud. Um, yeah, where people are just gonna with a that sort of stuff. It'd be cool. I feel like it would be cool, but it would it would introduce more problems than I think would it would it, it would make better if anything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'll definitely uh, agree. On the surface level, it seems cool, but once you kind of dig into the idea a bit, it could be problematic. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, Spotify. The smart people. Um, they're obviously making bank. Um, so I don't think they'll risk anything as far as splitting the ecosystem that they've built. Mm. Um, what they'll probably do is just grow on that 
they'll have their next step will be podcasts, which they've done. They bought Joe Rogan, they bought Michelle Obama, um, and they're just going to build upon that. This sounds like a Spotify podcast at this point. Um, yeah, they're just going to keep on building on what they've got, and I doubt they'll change much, and I doubt they'll delve into video. But if anything, I feel like that might be what's coming next, or like short form video. I mean, technically, music. they have because some songs have like small videos on them, right? Oh, the I was going to say reels, the um, canvas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, really, I think that's probably their first step into like short form video. Um, and they're probably going to delve into like, I don't know, I guess this, this talks to like the shortening attention span. Um, something similar to like, uh, TikTok, TikTok style videos with like being 16 seconds being super short, um, but centered around music and I guess expressing like a visual medium for that music. Mm. Um, I could imagine that happening and being something that slowly creeps in over the next like five years. God, that would be really interesting. (laughs) It would be cool. I think it would be cool. Uh, look, and they'll, they'll probably market it as like the, um, the next form of cover art or the next, uh, artwork or something like that, where you have your phone and you get a Spotify play and you press the 16 seconds or you send that to people. Um, which I think they've actually started doing on Instagram. Um, like that would be what I'd say is the next step as far as them changing their ecosystem. Um, yeah, I think that would be it. It would be exciting. It would be stressful because it means you and I need to start fucking videos. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that for a while, actually, like uh, the next yeah. form of cover art. Cause obviously, mm. you know, most, a lot of us producers don't release physical CDs or anything. So yeah. Why why not have animated cover arts? Yes, it's more work, but it could be really cool. Yeah, actually. I've never thought of it. Um Yeah, fuck. Like I kind of like because whenever I'm promoing stuff, I always make a video form of whatever it is I'm promoing. Um just video seems to capture people a bit more. Uh I don't know why that isn't almost a standard. Right. <laughs> or I think I think besides what you said, like the workload and the skill that goes into doing that, um, yeah, I think you've got to go like a good point. I can't imagine what else would be the um, what else would be like the next part of your musical expression or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. But I think it could be that, and you know, Spotify or Apple Music. Apple Music might do it first. Um, would probably be the people to do it. I reckon. I actually kind of hope that's a thing because I know someone who can make some dope animated art for me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> He's, uh, oh, man. I went to uni like, with you- um, a guy called Elijah. He did like, he's done a couple of arts, uh, cover arts mm. for me now. And he's, he's an animator as well. So, yeah. Oh, really? He's fucking sick. No, <laughs> yeah, you do. Because one thing I found doing music since I was younger, um, you end up fucking being good or at least passable at everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like marketing part of it. Cover art, Photoshop, Premiere I've ended up learning. When you see DJ like um guys like Made by Suki or um Nick Keys and all those dudes who are basically like CG artists at this point. Yeah. 
Like they, they produce, they release, they go out, they DJ, they tour. Excision, I guess, is another example. Oh, um, he's insane. He's insane, but his visuals are insane too. And he does that too. Um, like G Jones, I think does a bit of it. Like you kind of have to be, you don't have to be, but you end up being proficient at so many things. Like, so you produce and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. And obviously I, I, um, I used to do like a lot of cover art and then my girlfriend started doing it for me, but then also. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Are you kidding me? That's so good. Um, but then like recently uh, I was, I was just drawing one day, just randomly. Like I'm not actually good at drawing or anything, but um, <laughs> yeah. I had a, I had an idea for a cover art. So I sent it to Elijah who, yeah, he's great at drawing. So I just paid him to make some cover yeah. art for me. Nice. Hmm. It's like, it's kind of something you kind of just need to, not need to get good at, but you do eventually learn how to do being yeah. a DJ and a producer, you know, learning how to market, you end up learning how to, you know, mix down, you end up learning how to master, you learn how to use Premiere Photoshop, oh. and then eventually you're going to learn how to fucking DJ and produce at some point. <laughs> like, that, that happens eventually, apparently, but for the most part, you know, I think that's what can get like disheartening for some new artists coming in. They come in and be like, "It's going to come in. Uh, I got some additive synthesis. I'm going to make some really emotive shit, and then I'm going to get big." Then they're like, "Fucking spending half of my week just just typing, coding, doing whatever the fuck you might be doing." Um, but if you can, well, the way I kind of like it is, I look at it as it's all a part of like this whole artistic musical thing that I'm creating around myself. And yeah, you end up enjoying it. I might end up enjoying it. When I finally figured out how to make a decent looking visualizer that just, that didn't look like a, a free visualizer.org one <laughs> or whatever, oh, hell's over the moon. <laughs> Man, I still don't know how. Like, if you can show me how, like, I'd probably consider just trying it out and just chucking that on art. I mean, like, was that through Premiere or? Yeah, well, oh, it's um, both. Like, you start the thing in Premiere, you make a clip in Premiere, and then you send it to. After Effects, do a few things and send it back. Oh, really? Yeah, it's actually pretty easy. It's only like 10 steps or something. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm actually looking into that. <laughs> and then I, I, guarantee, I probably won't use that. I'd be like, well, I already know how to do this. Keep on doing that. But uh, it's hard, but it's fun. It's good to learn new shit. Guys. So I wanted to talk about like the online sets you've been playing recently. Um, I- Unfortunately, I haven't been able to catch them because I always see, <laughs> I always oh, see oh. your posts that are like, I'm playing a live set at this time, but then I never yeah. see like, I never see it at that time. Like, I always just happen <laughs> to be doing something else. <laughs> uh, I know. And that's something I've been trying to work out how to do. And yeah. Right. Without being playing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't know, promoting that industry. But yeah, what are you going to say? Oh, I, I just kind of... I'm moving around so much. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case you're like, man, this guy moves. So I just kind of wanted to get your opinions on how live... Oh, sorry. How online sets kind of stack up against real life sets as you've got experience in both. Oh. Um, they're both 
completely different. Um, but in some contexts, kind of give the same sort of, uh, lack of a better word, gratification. Right. Um, and I mean that in the sense that I used to run like a little like online radio show um, on Transmit TV years ago. Um, like a Melbourne Institute for like DJs and producers. It was actually really good. Played every Friday. Um, and like, you know, get a decent viewership, but nothing too enormous. Um, and chat would occasionally talk. It was all right. It was worked really well as a promotional sort of thing to get my name out more. And the show went for like two years. I think. Nice. Um, ended up having like a few guest DJs on all that sort of stuff. It was really good. Um, but it never felt the same as doing a gig. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't the same as doing a gig. Um, you don't kind of get that interaction, the to and fro with the crowd. You don't meet people. You don't do all that sort of stuff. Um, the shows that I do now on Mixcloud are very different where I'm still DJing, but there's a lot more interaction. And I think, I don't know if it's now because people can't go out. So <laughs> this is now a way of going out. Yeah. Um, I jump on and the chat is just going. Um, like the entire time. Some of it's friends of mine, some of it's random people. People come like, oh, hi from Norway. I'm like, yo, Norway, <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and that kind of gives a lot of that sort of like, you know, it's a bit more like a gig and I'm playing music. And even though it's not what I'd usually play um, on the Mondays, um, that definitely has a bit more of that sort of real gig feel. Most interesting one though, I played Project Eden Festival. I played, um, I streamed on, um, the Project Eden Festival two days ago. Um, I, I say up in LA, but like around, <laughs> um, it's fucking, um, but in that, there was that sort of same thing where like people were watching, everything was going off. Um, everyone's chatting in the group. And then in the same way, after like we finished our set, we would jump off to Instagram. And I'd be chatting to the guys who were playing before me or playing after me, and you do this networking thing. It was like I was, I was just like, what "The fuck, this feels, this feels like a gig." Like yeah. I finished, <laughs> which was, which I sent through in a video, and then it stopped. And it's like, "Oh, I need a cigarette." I'm like that's the same feeling, like gig. Like, um, besides, obviously, like the physicalness of being in a club and doing that sort of stuff. There are there are opportunities and the same opportunities to network and to talk to people and to meet new people. Um, and to get that sort of gig feeling. Um, so yeah, like in a lot of ways, it's very similar. It's very much the closest thing we'll have to doing, have getting a gig. Mm. Um, but also at the same time, depending on what you're doing, where you're playing the type of show, it can be just sort of like a radio show, which you couldn't compare a radio show to a gig. But with how live streaming is now, I think the live streams are a lot more comparable. Yeah. And I think at this point, super important for DJs. Totally. Um, yeah. Like I would say just keep on, like keep on DJing, keep on keeping your name out there. If it's doing mixes, um, doing that, I think is just something that's super important. And live streams are a way of doing it. Like we, you DJ, right? Uh, not really. Not yet. <laughs> It's right. uh, you just produced pretty much, yeah. Uh, I am um, never really got out much. Sorry, uh, what was that? I said I've heard about people like <laughs> juices that don't DJ. Um, 
Yeah, no, never been into it. Nah, never had friends that up. were into it or anything. <laughs> well, you don't need friends. I have you in the middle. Yeah, like there's definitely room for it. Um, and I think streaming, people are going to be like, oh, once COVID's over, there's going to be less streaming. Nah, I think it's going to stay there. Um, people are going to keep them streaming and people are going to keep on going out. What they're going to find is the stream, like let's use ecosystem again, is going to change where it's going to be different than what the normal sets to get a new crowd or something that's similar to what they normally play. Um, and then they'll have like a, they'll use it as a way for promotion and as a way to have gigs. Yeah. And then people will start sharing streams with other people. Hey, I'll have you on my stream. You have me on your screen. I think that's what's going to end up happening um, after COVID. All right. Yeah. hundred percent. It's going to happen. It seems like it's yeah. actually going to be like a really good long-term effect for the music industry. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, like going out and not, no longer being a thing um, is going to change everything because bars have had to, you know, re-bars, clubs have had to like realign how they're going to do things or how they're making money while they're down. The government's not fucking helping them anything like that. Um, and then obviously because bars and clubs are closed, DJs who are making the money of touring and all that are just like, fuck, we need to figure out a way. So a lot of them will now start or already have been mixing and mastering with other people, mm. doing online courses for young DJs that are trying to get bigger and get better. Um, I think it's going to push a lot of people to do that. And that's not going to stop once clubs reopen. Yeah. It's changed everything for a long time, I reckon. And uh, yeah, like it, I think it kind of makes people realize that the party doesn't have to stop once they go home. Like uh, I, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people weren't like really into the whole streaming side of things, at least not from musicians. Like obviously people stream Netflix and stuff. But maybe some people yeah. now are like, oh, maybe I won't watch Netflix to my- tonight. Maybe I'll, you know, watch someone stream on Twitch or Mixcloud or whatever. Yeah, I think that's definitely a thing. I think um, with people now streaming, I guess, in a more professional manner, what we call it, or like in a way that interacts with people and keeps people interested, um, it's going to be slow and it won't happen straight away. But you're going to find people who are like, hey, fuck it, like my mate's streaming and it's just fun, good times. Yeah. Um, I might just do that. I had someone um, from who watches my stream literally send in a picture of him talking to a Tinder date or a Hinge date. Um, and they were just like, hey, let's watch this stream that's happening. I'm like, this is my stream. Why are you watching this when you're talking to like a Hinge? And they were that's just amazing. I was like, this is some weird bullshit. I don't know why I was happy with that. I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm not feeling Um <laughs> Yeah, and now, like, I stream and people will send in, like, yo, this is my Monday night now. Um, I'm like, that's amazing. Like, I would never have expected anyone to do that. Um, but eventually, yeah, that's going to be a thing. And for people who are into music, that's going to be a thing. The same way for people who are into video games, now watch Ninja and, oh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Shroud. Um, Shroud, that's it. That's literally the one I was thinking of. I was like, there's nothing. Another one that went to Mixer and then went off Mixer and that closed down. Um, yeah, they watch Ninja, they watch Shroud, and then they also watch all these small streamers and there's people who watch 
Dungeons and Dragons we played. Mm. I say that pretending I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, and it's going to be a thing. People will start making content for people to watch in a long, in, in long form, in an hour stream. And yeah, that's just going to continue. It's going to keep on continuing. Hell yeah. It's going to be awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for <laughs> it. I'm, I'm here for it, man. If I can watch someone play Red Dead Redemption and then watch someone throw down a dubstep set <laughs> and then play Dungeons and Dragons and it's all brand new content and it's every night. Fuck yeah. Like I am keen for that. If I don't have to watch The Bachelor, <laughs> shit. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that world. I think anyways. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah. So uh, you've played shows in both Melbourne and Sydney, right? Yeah. So I was wondering, is there kind of like any massive differences between the two cities? Yeah. In terms of shows. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, like I think I only ended up playing like a few shows in Sydney because I moved up there for work. Um, the crowds in Sydney, and this is might be specific to dubstep. Right. Um, more like the crowds in Sydney are insane. They oh, yeah. <laughs> every single song that plays, <laughs> they know. They they heard it. They they picked it up before it actually drops. And then they're just singing, yelling along. But it's not just the tunes that have been released. Like they know the IDs, they know the unreleased tunes, they know every single thing. And the community there is so uh I want to say welcoming. Some people would disagree with me. I think it's so welcoming. Um, where everyone just kind of gets along. Chinese Laundry has a big play in that because it's kind of like a central hub for bass music. Um, and it's a thing that I really love about it. Melbourne has that in its bass scene on a smaller scale, um, but I think because the scene in Melbourne isn't as big and you don't get as many artists going down there, you don't get the usual club goers going to gigs or right. to a big club. And then going home and listening to it, and then picking up the IDs and doing that sort of shit. Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot more active in Sydney. And I kind of want to say this, and I know I'll get back for it. I feel like it's that with music in general in Sydney. Yeah, people people love giving Sydney's nightlife shit, um, but it's phenomenal. Yeah, Sydney's nightlife is phenomenal. People are so invested in it. People will go out and. They will party like before lockouts. They were partying until like six or seven a.m. <laughs> and Melbourne would do that, but only at a few single, a few separate clubs. And this is not just for dubstep. This is for like deep house, tech house, yeah, whatever panorama, Bergain, Bergain bullshit that they're playing these days. Um, I love Sydney's nightlife, and people love to complain about it because of lockout laws. But it's phenomenal. I love Melbourne. I'll always love Melbourne. It's probably always going to be my home. Um, but yeah, like there's a there's a a near camaraderie in Sydney um, that I feel like everywhere has. Where Melbourne does have that, and it might be because I haven't really been out here in four years or so. Um, so ask me again in twelve months once <laughs> things open up if I have the same answer. Um, but yeah, like Sydney's nightlife is phenomenal. It's that's all I can say. Like better or worse, I don't know, <laughs> but different and a. Yeah, that's just how I feel about it. <laughs> I, I definitely got to go experience it at some point. But did you, in Melbourne, you go out here much at all? No, not really. <laughs> did you? No? 
Oh man! Once once well, lockdown then- is over, I want to. But um, yeah, I'll yeah just gamer nerd pretty much. Any of the best people. Um, no, Melbourne's not life is good. Like when we had guys like No Chill pop up, um, a lot of big community kind of builds up in that as well. And that started happening um, really well. Fortunately, No Chill ended up ending. Um, so that kind of left that too. Um, and then when you have like uh, TFU or all like the Melbourne Sound Clubs, um, which are kind of more playing tech now, um, they've kind of got that too but it feels less uh, connected, I guess. Right. Um, where Sydney has that, I think once given so much option in Melbourne, there's clubs everywhere, there's bars everywhere, it's hard for a big cohesive scene. Um, where in Sydney, it's not as much as that, so their scene is a lot more connected. Um, once it all opens again, we'll probably end up holding some sort of gigs here. Um, yeah. And we'll show you. You'll have some fun. <laughs> I know some dubstep big fuck off speakers. (laughs) I know the filth friends boys have some some sick plans for uh when lockdown finishes. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm gonna get guys. Jared is one of the loveliest people Mm. I've ever met in my life. I was playing um it was Mitch's birthday the other night. We're on Discord playing like uh Jackbox and stuff. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dude, Mitch is a mad dog. Like, um, Mitch is in Scribe, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, his production, his, his production is great. His writing, his songwriting is phenomenal. Like, the dude just, the emotive sort of either instrumentation or actual theory that goes behind everything. Yeah. Like, ah, the man is, the man, like, I feel like he should be bigger than he is right yeah. now. He's actually doing quite well already. Like he had his, um, his never say die release with Jewel, um, and a few self releases. Um, but I, I want him to do really, really well. I feel like he will. I feel like he's going to keep on doing really well. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. No, he's a good, he's a good unit. So, uh, similar to the lineup of like music events, I've kind of noticed this, podcast has been a sausage fest so far uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah that chestnut yeah i was wondering if you had any thoughts uh on like why there's such a big disparity between men and women in regards to you know production events and just i guess even music in general, I don't know. I feel like at the pop level, men and women are probably pretty equal, but at the underground, there seems to be a lot more men getting noticed than women. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question because I guess um, what Rabbit's Eat Lettuce Festival that just happened um, or that just got announced for the future um, there was a bit of like an outroar for that because out of the entire lineup, I think they worked it out. There was like seven percent women um, actually playing. Uh, one was Lucille Croft. The other uh, there was like another two. Whose names? Yeah, I want to say Alice in Wonderland, but she's off in LA making bank. Um, I shouldn't say that. Uh, yeah, there was just wasn't many at all, and a lot of people are barking at the festival, being like, you know this is such a huge problem. Like, where is the representation? Um, why isn't there a female artist for 
the girls in the audience to see because that's probably how like a lot of us get into it. We go to a club, we go to a a festival, we go to a night, and we see this guy up there. We're like, "Fuck yeah!" Like we can be that guy, right? Um, there's a huge disconnect for when the, the lineup is only guys and girls in the crowd are just like, "That's a guy, that's a guy." Like obviously they're not thinking that, but it's sort of this in this reaffirmed subconscious thought that yeah. to them. So I think there's definitely a responsible for fest- responsibility for festivals to seek out female artists because um, right now there isn't as many and to a point it isn't necessarily because it isn't, isn't necessarily solely like Booker's issue. Um, but since there isn't as many, we should probably try to influence more women to get into the scene and by do- and doing that uh, to do that, I think booking more females is important. Um, that's the, like the first major point that people go to. I personally, and I could be wrong, um, feel like that is the issue. That is an issue, but there's a big fundamental issue with what happens in the general club scene. Um, as far as the underground goes, where the base scene is kind of all right with it. We're a little bit, I don't know. I think naturally we're a bit more progressive. Um, where sort of women are, you know, they're welcomed in. But I think there's a lot of issues in the club scene, in the smaller scene with the promoters, as in like people promoting clubs, not the bookers, um, where women are so often seen if they're at a club or getting ready to DJ, they're almost immediately the DJ's girlfriend or, oh, like, who are you dating? Or, well, why are you here? What are you yeah. like that? Um, and so many of my friends get that. Um, to the point that it's like they just can't be fucked trying anymore because they go out and they're like oh she's just some some guy's girlfriend or she's just some tucky behind the decks trying to get free drinks um, and they get dismissed and it sounds like a small thing that happened once but when it's week after week after week um, it just it would get really tiring and it does get really tiring for these girls um, and I think that's something we need to fix on like a scene level yeah um where instead of just assuming that they're someone's girlfriend or even just kind of like not taking them seriously, that just needs to stop. Yeah. Because if they are some DJ's girlfriend, like don't fuck around with them because of that. And realistically, they're just another DJ or they're just another producer trying to make it, but they keep on getting all of this shit thrown at them. Um, and not to mention, I'm not going to name any names. Um, this is just stuff friends have told me. Um, like some of the shit these girls have to deal with as far as like, oh, she's just a hot skirt behind the fucking turntables. And I'm like, well, no, you don't know that. Like she's just getting booked for her looks. Like, no, she's getting booked because she's like, she learned how to market because she DJs four times a week and she keeps on knuckling down. Like at a scene level, I think is a much bigger issue um, where we need to be able to like make an environment that's comfortable for all these women to be able to build up, to get bigger. So there's more producers and there's more artists and DJs who can then grow to be on the festival lineups. Like it's, it's basically a two, a two direction problem from the top. They're not getting the, uh, oh, what's the word? They're not, they don't have anybody to relate to, to right. reach for yeah. the bottom. The ones that are there, they're getting pushed down straight away. Yeah. So of course there's less artists for them to be able to work with. Like, Stop. Not you. I'm just I know. <laughs> um, 
like stop putting women down when they're at that point because then they're not going to grow up and then they're not going to get up here and influence more people here to aim for up here. Like as a scene, we, everyone else needs to just kind of embrace and welcome it. And I have, I would without hesitation say we've done such a poor job at that, that we now have to try to overcompensate and actively welcome in women, people of color and just anyone that isn't the stereotypical, like cis white heteronormative guy. Yeah. I think society as a whole has done such a terrible job at that, not just music. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like people just need to do better, you know? And yeah, that was a bit of a rant. I have, it's a thing that I, (laughs) I have so many, like most of my friends are girls and obviously working in the industry. Um, just see shit like that happen all the time. And it's just, and it can be, frustrating after a while um yeah and i think we yeah we just have to do better we have to do better from the top bookers need to do better um but responsibility also has to put people down on this individual scene where we just welcome people in and don't be dicks about it just don't be a dick like literally that's that's i think all you can say to most guys in the scene (laughs) don't don't just be nice someone gets booked try harder maybe like that's all like, don't bitch about it. Try harder and get your ass booked. Don't worry about the other people. Yeah, yeah. And if if you see <laughs> if you see your mates being shit, just tell them, you know, hey, that was that was a bit shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call out your mates. Like, I've had, I've undoubtedly said like dumb shit to people or just rude shit, and um, I make sure I've got like a circle of people around me that will call me out and be like, yo, you're being a dick. And I'd be like, holy shit, like that was like a, me being a dick. Um, there's nothing wrong with being called out. You, you acknowledge it and you improve. And that's, that's all we can do. It's all we can expect from people. Hashtag do better. Like, <laughs> Hashtag do better. Hashtag don't be a dick. <laughs> Just be nice to people. That's all you got to do. That's one lot. Lundosh. Fuck, I can't talk. <laughs> that is one long hashtag. <laughs> that is, uh, look, nah, it's gonna work. It's trending, I swear. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to wrap this up with possibly the hardest question and possibly the easiest question, depending on we, where we, you're at. <laughs> we topic. We could like feminism, we could like marketing, Spotify. <laughs> like this has been great. Same, like, pandemic and this is going to be the hardest question <laughs> maybe it might be the hardest might be the easiest it really depends right. on you so if okay. you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing as a producer one piece of advice what would it be just oh god no this is a hard <laughs> question There's so many things um we kind of touched on it before um which i think i think it lends itself to like a whole um lesson i guess um just do the thing and don't look for excuses or reasons to back up why you shouldn't do that thing because you're you're always going to have a little niggling voice in the back of your head um you can call it resistance you can call it like your inner saboteur you can call it whatever you want there's always going to be something in your head that's giving you a reason to not do it 
still do it, still take that risk, whether that's spending $50 on marketing, spending $200, getting something professionally mastered, whether it's going up to somebody like a promoter that you know, and this is something I've learned recently, um, which I wish I learned ages ago, and going to them and being like, hey, look, I'm trying to get this done. I'm trying to work on music and getting more gigs. I like. I want to know how. Like, how can I get involved? How can I do this? Rock up to shows. Always do the thing and ignore that little voice in the back of your head that's driving you to look for reasons to not do it yeah. because you'll get stuck. You will make your art, but you will never do anything with it. And that's one thing I wish I was told when I was younger. Um, and it's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. Um, but always just make sure you do it because I think the issue with being artist is you get so much fit, like bad feedback, for lack of a better word, or rejection that you end up having this like deep seated self worth problem. Um, I guess realistically, like the lesson from all of it is like you can do two things. One thing which I think is good is disconnect your self worth from your art. And know that you're going to get rejected. You're going to get people who don't like it, but you're going to get people that love it. Disconnect yourself from that and realize that what you have to put out is worth something. And do it. Just know your worth, put it out to people, express your worth outwards, and present that to people so they can give something back to you and you can have like a symbiotic relationship. And that can either be in the form of gigs, fucking radio interviews. Um, like mixed cloud screens, collabs on songs and shit like that. Like just do it. Put it ignore that voice in the back yeah. of your head that's that giving you this to not and do it. And because every time you do it, if it's bad, it's still better than not doing it. Exactly. Yeah. So do it. Do the do the thing. <laughs> ignore the voice. You're fucking worth it. Do the thing. If you want to start mixing down for other people and you think you're not good enough, just start doing it now. Yeah. And in five years' time. In, in, in three months' time, because you did it, you're still ahead of where you were. Okay. Let's let's um, use that as an example. Like, I'm a person. Let's say I'm a person who wants to start doing mix downs for other people, but every day I'm like, man, I wish I was good enough to start doing mix downs for other people. Like, one day I'll get there, but it's just not today. And like every single day, you're thinking that, and it's just like it's really starting to get like ingrained into you that you're just not good enough to do it. Whereas if you just take the step, not, not only is that like all you need to do, you just need to take the step, but that also saves you so much time of just thinking like shit thoughts about yourself. Like just, yeah. Even like just logistically, if you just want to look at it from a logic. Yeah, exactly. Wasting the time thinking like, oh, I wish I was good enough that soon. You eventually, if you keep on trying, you're going to be good enough of it, good enough at it. You can work on your own craft and do that. But if you just start doing it for other people, you're gonna get better and better every single time, as opposed to all those times that you didn't because you didn't. You're good enough. Um, and to go from that logically, because of that, it kind of makes sense. Just believe that you're fucking worth it. Believe that you can do it. Start doing it. And then it'll happen. That's, that's like the only thing I've got. <laughs> like, yeah. Again, if someone talked to that 10 years ago, I don't know where I'd be. Same here. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But yeah. If anyone's, if anyone's just like 
worried about themselves right now, thinking they're not worth it. No, you're fucking worth it. <laughs> Just do it. Go out and talk to that dude who might get you a gig or talk, message Jack the Bear and be like, hey, man, I'm trying to work this out. Can you help me out? Go Alex Braithwaite, like another mastering engineer. Just be like, hey, how do I do this stuff? They might teach you something. They might not. Just do it. Still worth it. It's like the worst they can say is no. Yeah, fucking, actually, no, I think um, Mitch's scribe literally had the same thing, like, conversation with you. <laughs> um, the worst they can say is no. Yeah. And if they say no, even at that point, you're a little bit ahead of where you were when mm. you said nothing. Because that allows you to move on, yeah. Yeah, allows you to move on. You've moved forward. Just, yeah, do it. Well, thanks for joining me, man. It was such a pleasure talking to you and I wish you success in the future, bro, because all these releases coming out, I'm very confident that it's going to be good for you. Thank you, bro. Man, thanks for having me, man. Like, big up on knuckling down and starting a podcast (laughs) and getting all that and doing your art and plugging it through. Like, it's good. It's thanks. Really bro. fucking good. I really appreciate it. Yourself. <laughs> All good, man. All right. Thanks everyone for joining me and Big Boss on episode 14 of the Wave Table. Don't forget, uh sorry. 14. Yeah, oh. it's crazy. Dude, it's been over three <laughs> months since this lockdown <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's uh, good, man. Yeah. But yeah, um, don't forget there's a Facebook group called The Wave Table where you can just stay up to date on all the latest episodes, talk about production and all that good shit. And as always, there'll be a link in the description to go listen to Big Boss's music. <laughs> Peace. It's the complete opposite to what you see here. This is like <laughs> this happy, jolly, like slightly camp and believe in yourself sort of thing. You listen to my music and it's just, what happened to me? Like, why is he so upset? It's like, almost my, like, almost to the level of Marauder and how brutal his oh, music is. <laughs> uh, the loveliest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> it's like, your music sounds really upsetting. It's like, that's so nice. It's a nice one. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Peace. Take it easy.